Welcome to the Scales and Tails podcast, where we unveil the secrets to weight loss. I'm your host, Brianna Fia Keen, accredited practicing dietitian, mum of four, and foodie fanatic who is constantly hungry because I talk about food all day long. Wouldn't that make you hungry too? Join me as I delve into the essential pillars that shape your weight loss journey, including mindset and motivation, nutrition and healthy eating, exercise and fitness, effective weight loss strategies, behavior change and habits, sleep and stress, and nurturing a positive body image through self-care. Are you ready to embark on a transformative journey with me and my guests? I'm here to help you. Let's do this. Let's welcome our guest, Dr. Fiona Bernal, General Practitioner, owner of New You Medical, as we embark on this conversation about the role of weight loss medications in transforming lives. So welcome, Fiona. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Would you like to start off by sharing a little bit about you beyond what I have spoken about? Is there any, you know, fun facts that you would like to share with us? I love being a GP. I found one of the most challenging things in my job was finding a way to help my patients who had multiple medical conditions that we were trying to manage individually and knowing that there was often an underlying contributing factor was their weight. And a lot of my patients had struggled to find the right help. So I developed an interest in this area and I really enjoy it's a very rewarding area to work in. So that's a little bit about my work. I'm otherwise a busy mum, as many of us are, uh, looking after two teenagers and a husband and two dogs. Um, And in my spare time, I love reading. Fantastic. If only I had enough time to read. I'm the kind of person that listens to podcasts at 1.5 speed. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is done at super speed in my household. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I love a good podcast too, I must say. Yeah, I have been told that I need to listen to something non-educational and find some fun podcasts to listen to. So if anyone's got recommendations on fun podcasts, Hit me up. No all such my, all my thing as educational. No such thing as a fish. If you want something lighthearted, but the occasional interesting fact in there, no such thing as a fish is fabulous fun podcast. Interesting. I'll have to look it up. So, I guess we're diving into all things medical weight loss today. And the first question that I have is, when would you consider using medical weight loss with a patient? What are some of those things that as a GP you're looking for that might help you to initiate that conversation? So the type of patient that will benefit from medical weight loss, the the list is quite long. So there's lots of patients who would benefit from that assistance. So type 2 diabetics who need better control of their sugars and are seeing some of the consequences of their high sugars showing up in kidney function, damaged in their eyes, things like that. Patients with medical conditions that would benefit from weight loss, so uh, fatty liver, uh, fertility problems, people with sleep apnea or snoring is often the first sign that there might be some sleep apnea. And lots of patients with joint pain, so osteoarthritis, so uh, patients who have uh, knee pain uh, that would be reduced if there was a little less weight to carry around. Yeah, I guess the two most common ones I see is is the knees but also the back pain as well. Yes, yes. And and I suppose the the other uh, factor here is the patients who would benefit from medical weight loss Often it's the patients who have been trying really hard. So they've been trying to make changes in their diet, in their exercise, and they're just not seeing those results and they're feeling frustrated. And with a little bit of medical management, then they can start seeing those results and 
feel more motivated to continue with those lifestyle changes. And that's what it comes down to, getting a few quick wins on the board um, that's enough to just give them that extra spring in their step to keep them, you know, moving forward with those changes that they have made and building on them. Absolutely. I guess the other population that I see being a bariatric dietitian is those that have had surgery, you know, 10, 20 years ago, or who have had, say, a band, the band's not worked particularly well for them. You know, they've lost some weight, they've had the band removed because of complications, or they've, you know, had a surgery of some description. And then, you know, years, decades down the track, they've had some kind of weight regain after surgery. So I'm seeing a big population um, there that are looking at that medical weight loss as well. That's the first group of patients that motivated me to learn more in this area. So I had a few patients who had been back to see their surgeons and were told that they weren't good candidates for repeat surgery and the surgeons basically said look go back see your GP see what they can do maybe think about trying x y and z and that's when I decided to learn a little bit more about x y and z. Yes and so is there any instances where you may not consider it? Absolutely so there are some patients that medical weight loss solutions are not appropriate or more accurately there would be certain medications that wouldn't work or wouldn't be suitable for certain patients. Mm. So for instance in women who are planning pregnancy or pregnant or breastfeeding our choices are limited There are some things that we can help with, but uh, it's a a much shorter list. There are some medications that aren't appropriate in patients who have a personal history of thyroid cancer or pancreatitis would be another uh, area that we would be very careful. And in some patients who have a history of gallstones, we would choose very carefully as well. There are some other medications that we would want to be careful combining weight loss medications with. So some medications that already cause reduced sugar levels, we would have to be careful in our selections there. And in bariatric, post-bariatric surgery patients, again, caution in choosing the right medication or some, in some cases not choosing a medication would be another important consideration. Yeah, definitely. Is there any other factors that you would consider other than medical conditions in that decision-making process? There, again, there's a, a few things that we take into consideration in choosing to select a certain medication or avoid certain medications. So cost is a big factor. Unfortunately, there is not the recognition in the Medicare slash PBS system yet for the long-term cost benefits to our society for some of these medications. And so that means that uh, often the medications uh, that would be the best choice are not affordable. And so we then sometimes try to find ways to, to, to find something that can help a patient that's within their budget. Sometimes we avoid certain medications in a patient who may not have an anxiety disorder as a medical condition, but may report that they're a little bit prone to feeling anxious. So there are some medications that can make them feel more anxious. And a patient with a history of an eating disorder or body dysmorphia, we would also be very careful about using any medication or choosing, again, very carefully. And I guess from my perspective, when I'm working with, you know, that disordered eating kind of client, we're looking at, well, what support do they have? What treatment have they sought? Who's in their team? And to help us in that decision-making process, to help us in, you know, how successful this person may be along that journey. 
That's uh, absolutely, that's a perfect strategy. If a patient has a past history of disordered eating, but they're in a great place now with lots of support and people ready to help them through that journey, then it may be appropriate for them to use some medication um, to help them. Uh, and, and, you know, again, overall, as with that patient, with all of our patients, we're always balancing the benefits of weight loss against the risks of the medication or the possible side effects. So we, we don't want and we don't want to cause more damage than benefits from the medication. Yeah, that's right. I guess when you were talking before about costs, you're probably referring to what I call the new kids on the block mm-hmm. <laughs> because weight loss medications have been around for a long, long time. Um, I guess the ones that we're seeing these days are very different to medications that we've had access to in the past. You know, I think back to 20 years ago when I graduated and what was available then, you know, having spent time at the diabetes service, I remember one of our nurses doing clinical trials with a bieta. Um, and that was kind of the very start of it. Um, and that would have been 15, 16, 17 years ago. So they have been around for a long, long time. Can you just give us a really brief overview of what's available at the moment and how they actually work to help people lose weight? There's things like your your Duramine kind of ones that uh, was one of the older kids on the block. You've got (laughs) some of the, you know, all the stats, Zenical ones, which I haven't seen used a great deal. And then we've got all of these other new ones. So, you know, I'd really love from your perspective, a, a quick rundown on what's available, what the current landscape is. And, you know, their effectiveness, how they're actually working, what their function is in that weight loss sphere. So we still have some of the old kids on the block and sometimes (laughs) they are the ones to use. So um, Duramine is the brand name that most people will recognise for the active ingredient Fentamine. And it's been around for a long time. It is a stimulant in a simple version uh, it's think of it as speeding up metabolism unfortunately can also speed up heart rate and some in some cases anxiety uh, but in some people it actually works really well and it can give people a boost in energy and also reduce their appetite so in the right patient the uh, fentamine or duramine can be really helpful it, uh, we won't use it in a patient, for instance, who has uh, high blood pressure or heart problems, but in an otherwise relatively fit younger patient, I would suggest we will sometimes get really good results with yeah. fentamine. And again, sometimes we combine it with other strategies, so it can be helpful. Another one that's been around as a medication for a very long time is to pyramate. It's actually used in preventing migraines and preventing seizures, and it's one of these medications that uh, the side effect was a less, uh, loss of appetite and uh, subsequent weight loss. And so we do actually use topiramate sometimes to help patients with suppressing appetite. It's acting on some neurological pathways. And, in fact, a medication that we don't have available in normal pharmacies in Australia but is available in the United States and used quite widely is a combination of those two things. So fentamine and topiramate in some ways cancel each other out in terms of their side effects. So fentamine can make you feel a bit racy and maybe sometimes cause a little bit of sleeplessness. Topiramate can actually help with sleep mm-hmm. and they're combined in a product in the States called Quizmia. Uh, we can have it compounded here, and I've had really good success with some patients with that combination as well. The Another one that's relatively new still is Contrave. Contrave yep. is a medication. It's a brand name again. It's actually made of two components, and those two components separately have been around for a very long time, used in treating other 
medical conditions. So the two components separately have been used in helping people who have had addictions to opioid medications and smoking would be two of the main things. And, and one of the components is also has some use as an antidepressant. Uh, we don't use it a lot in Australia, but it is used in, again in the States more often as an antidepressant. And so the combination of those two is uh, sold as a product called Contrave. And it is essentially acting on the cravings pathway. Mm. So in some patients who have very uh, emotional eating patterns, so people who eat when they're stressed or eat when they're sad, sometimes we find that Contrave can be helpful. So it can help reduce those cravings for food. And the other group the right that I've focus. seen it work really well in is um, people with a heavy intake of alcohol. Correct. So, again, that craving centre and alcohol is feeding that craving but also adding calories. And so if we can reduce the intake, then, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, again, there's a, a distinct population that we look at and think, hmm, this person might do well with some contrave. So yeah. it can work well. Uh, you mentioned Orlistat or Xenical. Uh, I, I, I very, 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 very rarely use it. It's uh, generally an unpleasant medication for most people. Uh, it essentially reduces the absorption of fat from the diet and that fat is exited at the other end quite rapidly yeah. Yeah. and can be relatively unpleasant for patients. So and I guess I in my experience, I don't see a lot of people with super high fat intakes. I see a lot of people really low protein and fiber intakes, but I yes. aren't seeing a lot of people with really high fat intakes. And so if your fat intake's not super high, it's not going to be that effective for you. It's about yeah, Correct. it's about absorption. Correct. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and being here today. Today's episode is sponsored by New You Medical. If you are interested in finding out more about weight loss medications and if they are right for you, you can now book your first introductory consultation, which involves a health assessment and review of your medical history with any of the doctors at New You Medical. These consultations are designed to allow patients to meet the doctors and assess whether the program is right for you. And currently they are all bulk billed for any patients who hold a Medicare card. To find out more, phone 0456 902 148 or visit www.newumedical.com.au. And so then the new kids on the block. So the new kids on the block, the injectable medications. So they're subcutaneous, so they're injected just under the skin. And we have a few of those available. Uh, the one that everybody has probably heard about in social media is Ozempic, which is semaglutide is the active ingredient. The other one that has been around for a little while now is Succenda or Liraglutide, and they're made by the same company. Uh, thankfully, they're just about to have some competition. We're about to have Monjaro, a new product on the market. So, uh, and it's the the results from Monjaro are actually even better than Ozempic and Succenda. And we'll talk a little bit more about them, uh, their mechanisms of action, because there are multiple mechanisms. But the main thing that the patients notice is they feel less hungry. And when they do eat, they feel full earlier. So their portion size shrinks. And so overall calorie intake is usually significantly reduced. The other thing that I've seen a lot is their food preferences change as well. And food aversions. <laughs> so, yeah. so some foods suddenly become less palatable too. Yeah, yeah. So I guess now's a really good time to dive into all about these GLP ones. A couple of things that I've noticed is obviously their food preferences. Similar to Contrave, you know, those receptors in the appetite center. So it's reducing those hunger and cravings and including alcohol. Um, but from the uh, a diabetes perspective, you know, they are historically medication used for blood glucose levels. Um, so I'll let you, <laughs> as the medical profession, talk about, you know, more of that mode of action 
um, and how the, they are effective. So again, as you say, it, this is another case of a medication that was created for one purpose, and that was to reduce blood sugar levels. And the side effect was weight loss. And uh, very quickly, uh, people and uh, pharmaceutical companies clicked onto that and realised that it could uh, create a new market for weight loss. And thankfully, they were right. It's very effective. So the mechanisms of action for this class, so this we call them the GLP-1s, as you say. GLP-1 is a protein that your body produces, and it is part of the web of metabolic pathways that are involved in processing carbohydrates and sugars and converting them to byproducts. The GLP-1s specifically will improve your production of insulin. So insulin is produced by your pancreas and insulin then will reduce your sugar levels. So when you eat, you produce GLP-1s, which produces insulin, which drops your sugar levels. So in a diabetic, the high sugar levels are the target. And so the medications do a wonderful job at reducing the sugar levels in a diabetic. So in a diabetic, their sugar levels start out too high and then the insulin helps reduce those sugar levels. In a non-diabetic, thankfully, what, what was the result of using these in non-diabetics was thankfully it doesn't drop your sugar level to too low. So in a non-diabetic, generally your pancreas works very well. It does its job at controlling the level of sugar in your blood. So when you need insulin, it produces insulin. When you don't need insulin, it produces the opposite, which is a, a hormone called glucagon. So in a non-diabetic patient, the consequences of using the GLP-1s come from a whole series of receptors in the body. So there are receptors in the brain, as you mentioned, so they act directly on those receptors for hunger signals, and so they can directly suppress appetite. They do a few other things too, though. So they act, in, act on receptors in the gut, so they slow down the movement of food through the gastrointestinal system is the way I like to describe it. Uh, so you imagine if your food sits in your stomach for longer, the signals that come from a full-stretched stomach, so there are other signals that are sent to the brain saying, oh, my stomach's full, and so they stay activated for longer. So you feel full for longer if you have GLP-1s and you've just had a meal. So there are a few different ways they act. And so keeping food in your stomach longer, acting directly on the brain so that you feel less hungry. And there, as you mentioned, there are some other consequences with learning more and more that uh, the GLP ones can also make you less interested in things like alcohol. And there's new research studies actually looking at GLP ones in people with alcohol dependence. And there's some very interesting positive results there. Uh, and so Alcohol reduction. The other one that I do find is people sometimes are less interested in drinking water too. So when they're using these medications, I really try and encourage patients to focus on their water intake because when they're feeling less hungry, sometimes they're also not looking for that water. And so we really need to encourage that. That's interesting because I've had both. So some people who are a little bit drier, but I've also had a lot of people say that they are really thirsty while they're on those medications as well. Interesting. And, you know, every patient is different. Um, exactly. I think we, we're talking a little bit about some of the side effects too, um, which we will see quite different responses in different patients. You know, one person will have uh, severe constipation and we'll have to help them through that yep, and then I've on the definitely other hand, seen that might, yep and and then we might have another patient who actually has really loose bowel motions so uh very individual responses yeah um I guess we can dive into those potential side effects now um I hope that that explanation of what the medications are and how they work have been helpful 
what are the most common side effects that people can expect um, if they were to choose a medical pathway for their weight loss? So in terms of the in the injectable GLP-1s, the by far the most common side effect is nausea. And so I basically ask my patients to expect nausea, but we do a lot of work in how to prevent it and how to manage it if it does happen. But nausea is the thing that really limits dose increases. So we're always finding a balance between how much nausea and is the dose enough to give the appetite suppression. So we want to very gently step up the dose and only progress when the nausea is manageable. And so what I ask my patients to tolerate at most is the occasional brief moment of feeling a little bit nauseous to the point where they can have a little bit of fresh air, maybe a bit of water, and it passes within a couple of minutes. So we don't expect patients to feel unwell all day. That's the most when it starts to impact on their work and that's right. You still need to be able to do all of the things you need to do in your life. So if it's more than that, then that means that we need to reduce dose or find other strategies for reducing the nausea. So I generally find the nausea is worse the longer the gaps are between meals. So the empty stomach. Um, tends to worsen it and so you know something that I work on as a dietitian with our clients is having really frequent meals and sometimes if work and life doesn't permit that having a little box of nuts in your pocket and that you can just nibble on so that you don't have that completely empty stomach can help to keep that nausea at bay. Absolutely I think the two extremes for the nausea would be not eating often enough so nothing in the stomach And on the other end of the spectrum, if a patient eats their their main large meal and eats very quickly, sometimes they can find that they've overeaten and that's then a trigger for nausea. Yeah, pace and portion, two things to decrease any of those side effects. Perfect. And uh, everybody's triggers for nausea are different. I, I find some patients feel they experience more nausea when they eat fatty foods or some patients it's creamy foods, some patients it's alcohol, definitely. So there's the not interested in yeah, alcohol. Particularly with the contrave and the alcohol and the nausea. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, the, the triggers for nausea are variable. So, But it's the thing that we see it limits doses most often. I but, guess when uh, we're talking about portion, the biggest thing that I see is more of the upper GI stuff. So a little bit more of that reflux and digestion um, from overfilling. While they're still yeah. learning what their yes. portions are as their, you know, doses are continuing to change and their feelings of fullness are continuing to change. So, and if you have food sitting in your stomach for longer, if you're tending towards a bit too much acid production, then you're going to have a little bit more heartburn, a little bit more reflux, sometimes burping, sometimes a metallic taste in the mouth. But again, we do mention all of these side effects, but as I say to my patients when I start them on these medications, I always back up the prescription for the GLP-1 medication always goes hand in hand with here's a script for some really good quality anti-nausea medication if you need it. The vast majority, overwhelming majority of my patients when I see them next say, no, I never needed it. I never needed anti-nausea medication because we had enough tips and tricks to help them avoid the nausea. And I tend to tell our clients, if we don't know about it, we can't help you. So you don't need to be sitting there feeling unwell. There's always something we can do about it if you let us know. Perfect. Yes. So, you know, it, it goes back to that communication. But, you know, side effects are so common. But it's really about how can we help you to manage them and what kind of impact are they having? How can we try to minimise them as much as we can? Absolutely. And, and that goes to some of the other common side effects. So the bowels. So if someone's struggling with slowed down bowel motions, constipation. Yeah. But, you know, you know that's going to go hand in hand with you've got, you've got a smaller volume of food going in. So you're not yep. going to need to use your bowels as often because you don't have as much wastage. 
That's correct. And but you'll also make that worse if you're not drinking water and getting your fibre. So that's yeah. some of the first things we try. And then we use medication if we need to, but uh, yeah. trying the lifestyle changes first is always helpful. And movement, as as I'm sure you're aware. Contract, contract uh, the bowel. <laughs> that's right. Getting up and moving around will always help with constipation. It's not all doom and gloom, though, you know, these side side effects. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to have an open and transparent conversation. Um, If we go in the opposite direction, though, what could listeners expect in terms of results um, if they're trying to incorporate that weight loss medication and a lifestyle change into their um, plan? Yeah, their weight loss plan. What are we looking at in terms of that percentage of weight loss and and success? What are the studies showing us? So we have some. Thankfully, we have some really nice long term studies now. So we have uh, studies that show patients who have been using these medications, like the GLP ones, for up to two years now, and the results are fabulous. So the results now, and especially when the new Monjaro Zepatide comes onto the market, the results are pushing close to what we see with bariatric surgery, which is really good. We're seeing consistently above 10% weight loss. And again, this is in a controlled study where only the appropriate patients are participating. So we, we want to have people who are eligible for these studies. So they're above BMI that is considered healthy. And again, BMI is a whole nother conversation, but it's it's a simple tool that's sometimes used. Um, but in terms of weight loss in patients who are classified as obese before they start their medication, 10% weight loss is consistent in research studies. In my experience, when we use the medications like semaglutide slash ozempic, I consistently see more like 15%. That is my target for my patients who are considered in the overweight or obese range. And we very comfortably get to 15%, slowly, carefully combining Mm -hmm. lifestyle and other strategies. Uh, I'm very pleased with our our long-term results. And so that's where we start. We start with 15% weight loss as a goal for most patients but having said that, we always remind patients that even 5% weight loss can have a massive effect on their health outcomes. So exactly. Like often, even for new diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, that 5 to 10% weight loss at the time of diagnosis can significantly delay progression of any diabetes, commencements of medication in those early days, which is super important for that long-term progressiveness. Exactly. So having a reasonable expectation of success is is great. It's great to set goals and having an initial goal of 5% for improved health outcomes is absolutely uh, going to benefit someone's long-term potential negative outcomes from things like diabetes that is not well controlled. They're going to prevent damage to the kidneys, damage to the Blood pressure control, eyes, lots of things. Eyes, yep. Anyway, you've got tiny little blood vessels. That's correct. (laughs) So So you said before you were looking at that 15% weight loss. Over what time frame would people on average be needing to or um, wanting this medication for in order to achieve those weight loss goals? So a 15% weight loss the the round figure so obviously there's so many individual differences that we're dealing with but if someone's sitting out there thinking okay I'm uh, in the high end of the overweight range I'm possibly in the obese range I'd really like to do that 15% I would ask them to have an expectation of at least six months on one of these medications to in the active weight loss phase. And and what I mean by that is we take our time to build up to a dose that's working. So sometimes there's a gradual increase in dose before we start really seeing great results on the scales or on the measurements. And for most patients, six months will get them to a place where they've really had an impact on their health outcomes. 
medical active weight loss phase has to be followed though by a maintenance plan so once we start seeing those great results we start shifting our mind to well how do we make sure that this is not just going to all bounce back we don't suddenly stop someone's medication we really have to think carefully about what's the plan for after they lose their weight and and that looks different for everybody so some people might stay on these medications for years for instance if we have a a type 2 diabetic if we get their sugars into the normal range and they're doing really well with the medication we don't then suddenly say okay well we'll stop the medication then what we do is we continue while it's effective and the benefits outweigh the side effects or risks and so the longer term studies we're seeing with the GLP ones now have patients on these medications for over two years with no long-term adverse outcomes Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I have quite a few patients who say well this works so well for me I'm I'm comfortable now at a healthy weight what I want to do is maintain it and what we do is we slowly reduce the dose of the medication to a dose that helps them achieve those other lifestyle strategies so helps just take the maybe take the edge off the appetite helps them continue to make those healthy choices and they they may not stop for years if ever Uh, other patients say no look I'm 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 not keen on doing uh, an injection each week for the next two years Uh, I'd really like to try swapping to something in a tablet form or I really want to focus on my lifestyle changes and just check in regularly for accountability and if I'm regaining then we can uh, reassess. It's interesting because you know the debate of yo-yo dieting on a diet off a diet on a whatever off is probably (laughs) best left right now Um, but when we liken obesity to needing treatment we can liken it to treating things like high blood pressure high cholesterol exactly Um, it's a medical management for a medical condition Um, and I don't necessarily think that people perceive it that way being a open to having those conversations you know from a prescriber a GP point of view I think is fantastic because it's really looking at we're treating a condition long term like we would treat any other condition correct and again you wouldn't take away someone's blood pressure medication because their blood pressure was normal now (laughs) you might reduce the dose and find the lowest possible dose that's effective to help maintain that blood pressure Uh, but yeah you don't cut someone off because they've reached their their goal blood pressure you don't cut someone off because they've reached their goal weight either so we find a healthy healthy balance so uh the the end point is uh, uh highly flexible yeah and looking at you know incorporation of those lifestyle factors that's what's going to help you to maintain that weight loss like the medication can help you achieve it the lifestyle behaviors that you adopt the learning process that you go through while you're on that medication is going to be a big portion of that maintenance phase that's right and that's why I I regularly try to get my patients to come see you <laughs> so easier says than done dietitians don't always have the best rep that's right and the, the the difficulty is for some patients when they're on some of these medications they work so well they're happily seeing the the weight fall the way they're feeling I've got this this is all good but we have to remind patients that they need to learn those lifestyle habits yeah it hasn't necessarily addressed the cause correct um or their choices that have led them down that path the psychology of eating um, and you can achieve weight loss without actually getting in enough nutrition. Like, honestly, nine times out of ten, I'm telling people to eat more food to lose weight. That's right. And, um, you know, there's no point being 10, 20, 30 kilos lighter if you are iron deficient, if tired. you are B12 deficient, if yes. you 
um, you know, are decreasing your bone mineral density. We want to keep you as healthy as we can so that we're not causing other health concerns because of that decreased impact. Correct. Uh, and one of the, the common situations if we've gone too low with appetite is that tiredness. So the patient who comes back in and says, yeah, I've lost lots of weight and I am really tired all the time. And, of course, as you are well aware, a lot of them are not eating their protein. They're not getting their Food is fuel. That's right. So and I say to, to them, balance. would you drive to Brisbane without without putting any petrol in the car? Would you drive, when do you put petrol in the car if you go on a car trip? Oh, and some of them will go, when I need it. And then (laughs) (laughs) nine times out of ten they'll go, well, of course I fill up before I go. And I'm like, food is no different. Your body is a machine. It's an engine. It needs fuel. Food is your fuel. So we need to put fuel into your system all throughout the day because you're using energy all throughout the day. Yeah. You know, and, and they get yes. these light bulb moments. Yes, that's right. And, yeah, finding that balance is tricky. Yeah. So I guess, you know, weight loss medications ideally aren't designed to be used in isolation without that lifestyle. Correct. Contributing. And, you know, we're not just talking about diet work. We're talking about movement. We're talking about stress. We're talking about sleep. You know, it's getting all of those ducks in a line. And having a healthy relationship with food. That's right. And uh, being comfortable eating, enjoying food. So we don't want to take someone's appetite away completely. We still want you to have a healthy relationship with food and movement. Uh, but some people, their metabolism is working a little bit against them. And so sometimes we can just tweak the metabolism a little bit there and they can have better better processing of the food that they're eating. Yeah, well. It takes a good three months to improve your metabolism. That's right. So, no, it's, it's those little changes and small steps that you're making along the way that's leading to big changes because the better your metabolism will work, the better that long-term weight maintenance will be for you. Absolutely. And the weight maintenance is such an important area. We we have uh, massively increased our understanding of why people yo-yo. We've got uh, wonderful research studies now showing why it's so hard to maintain because when you do lose a lot of weight, your body produces hormones to make you hungrier than before you started. And those hormones stay high for more than two years after after a a significant weight loss. And so if you just go back to what you were doing before, the medications or the restrictive diet, then you will not only go back to where you were, you will actually gain more because your your body's trying to save you from starvation by producing all of these lovely hormones like ghrelin to make you very hungry. I actually have a podcast episode coming up on set point theory and how you have to maintain that new weight for a period of two years for it to then become that new set point. So you're constantly fighting against your own body. And that's why maintenance plans are important. If you're talking to me about using a medication, from my first consultation, I will set the mindset that we will get you through to your goal and then we will need to work on your maintenance plan. So I'm always reminding my patients that the maintenance is the hardest part. We've got wonderful medications available now that can actually, for most people, losing weight can actually be really easy. It's They're very effective in what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any parting words that you'd like to share? I think for anybody who has really struggled to lose weight or to achieve a healthy weight, that there is thankfully now probably a weight loss medication that can help. So if you're struggling to achieve your goals with lifestyle changes alone, we can probably find the right medication for you. And if you're willing to take your time choosing the right one, working 
safely for a long-term sustainable outcome and being prepared to work hard at the maintenance as well, um, we can help. And it's one of the things that I think some patients struggle with is they've been sent messages that tell them that using a medication is like cheating or if it's like they're lazy. And I have some patients feel quite sheepish to come in and talk about it. It is not lazy. It's not cheating. It's using the knowledge that we have now to help tweak their metabolism and add to the hard work that they're probably already doing. We're not going and to take again, away those other if, strategies. If we liken it to high cholesterol, is it cheating having a medication for your cholesterol? You know, Correct. similar kind of thing. Some people may yeah. be on a medication, but they may also see a dietitian. Combined yeah. is where they get are going to get the best results. One of the a great example there is familial hypercholesterolemia. So long, long name, but basically genetic high cholesterol. We see patients whose BMI or weight is in the healthy range. They're exercising, they're eating a healthy diet. None of that will prevent them from having high cholesterol because their genetics is predisposing them to that high cholesterol. And being overweight, there is a very strong genetic component. And some people, no matter how hard they work with their lifestyle changes, will need a little bit of medication to help them achieve a healthy weight. Mm, and very interesting being a twin mum. I've looked at a number of studies on twins who were raised differently in different mm -hmm. families and twins mm -hmm. that were raised in the same family and what impact that has on their weights, you know, the whole nature and nurture mm -hmm. debate. That's right. And I, I believe it's a balance. I believe there is definitely a balance, but absolutely in terms of obesity as a chronic condition is a very strong genetic contribution it's not all yeah. genetics but no. some people no matter how hard they try those genes are really and epigenetics that's the other one that we know about now it's what was happening while you were in the womb can affect your current weight what was happening to your parents before you were born can affect your weight your mm -hmm. sleep your stress so many things affect your weight it's not very multifactorial yeah exactly yeah so where can people find you? If they're wanting to continue a conversation with you, if they want to know more about how you work, if they have any other questions, if they are ready to even get started on their medical weight loss journey, how can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? So easiest way would be to jump onto our website. So my clinic is called New You, so N-U-Y-U newumedical.com.au. If you jump on there, you'll be able to have a look at some information about what we do. We are located on the Gold Coast, so our clinic is here on the Gold Coast. We currently have three GPs who are available for consultations, and we do telehealth consults all over the country. So I have patients in just about every state and territory, I think. One of my greatest successes I've never met face-to-face, -face, but we've had uh, two years of uh, wonderful outcomes via telehealth. So very happy to help remotely too. And do patients need a referral to see you or can they just call up and get started? Nope, they can just call up and get started. So on the Gold Coast, if you live locally, we have uh, an introductory consultation. If patients just want to come along and meet us, we can do an assessment of their medical history and talk to them about options. Uh, and we do offer those introductory consultations via telehealth too. So uh, if you jump onto the website, you'll be able to click some buttons to book online or you can call our number and have a chat to our receptionist and she can help direct you with some information we can email some uh, info about how to book i'm very happy to help and i'll pop all of those contact details in uh, the show notes as well fabulous and sorry i didn't answer one of your important questions there was no no referral is required yeah which is great so you know there are no barriers anywhere you are in australia we can get you connected with fiona um, at any time right 
Okay. And so there you end. have it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. It was uh, great to have a chat with someone with uh, like-minded as well. I appreciate you and your time on the late on the Wednesday night that it is. Um, so there you have it. You know, we've had a deep dive into the world of weight loss medications and their potential to impact on your health, your wellness. So I hope that everyone listening has found this discussion enlightening. Before we do wrap up, you know, a heartfelt thank you to our guest, Dr. Fiona Bernal today. GP and owner of New You Medical, um, your insight and your expertise you have provided into the world of medical weight loss that's very much emerging here in Australia at the moment. Truly grateful for your time and all of the knowledge that you've shared with us today. Thank you. If you do have any further questions um, for Fiona or you'd like to learn more about the topics, um, you can find me at www.yourfamiliesnutritionist.com.au and Fiona at www.newumedical.com.au. Remember, when considering weight loss medications, it is crucial to consult with a healthcare professional such as Fiona, who we have spoken to today. You know, someone like that can determine your best course of action, who can tailor a unique plan for you based on your personal situation, circumstances and health conditions. So as we spoke about before, telehealth appointments are available, um, both Fiona and I and the other doctors that are working within the New You Medical Clinic. So no matter where you are in Australia, you have support. Um, and if you feel like what we have discussed today is an option for you or you'd like to know more, um, reach out. Okay. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and leave a review. Your feedback helps us to continue bringing valuable content to your ears. So stay tuned for more insightful episodes on Scales and Tales, where we explore a wide range of topics related to mindset and motivation, nutrition and healthy eating, exercise and fitness, effective weight loss strategies, behavior change and habits, sleep and stress management, and nurturing a positive body image through self-care. So thank you for joining us. Until next time, take care and prioritize your health. That's all I have for you today. Another episode done and dusted here at Scales and Tales, unveiling the secret of weight loss podcast. I hope you found valuable insights and practical tips to support your weight loss journey. Remember, sustainable change takes time. So be patient and kind to yourself. I'd love for you to head to my website at yourfamiliesnutritionist.com.au. I so appreciate you being here, so thank you. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please reach out to me. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review so that others can find the podcast and have the opportunity to achieve something they've thought was impossible up until now. Between now and then, when I'm next in your ears, I hope you find the joy in the food you eat and get to share it with those you love, including yourself. Bye.